0: So, I told you a couple of weeks ago that in the first nine chapters of 2 Corinthians, Paul explained his ministry to the church uh, for the Lord. What he was doing, why he was doing, uh, how he was doing. Uh, Paul knew who he was, and he knew what he was called to do as God's servant. And so, in these final four chapters of 2 Corinthians... Uh, what Paul is really going to do is he's going to challenge the false teachers that have infiltrated the church. Uh, as you know, the church at Corinth is what we like to call a challenged church. They have had to face many challenges. Uh, in the first letter that Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, he talked about the divisions within the church. They were not functioning as one heart, one mind, one voice. Uh, they were divided, and that was the biggest challenge. So. The biggest challenge wasn't out there, it wasn't external, it was internal, it was inside the church. And much of that had to do with false teachers. So these last four chapters of 2 Corinthians, that's what Paul is going to do. He's going to challenge the false teachers. Now what we're going to see tonight uh, very clearly uh, and as we move forward is that Paul stood on the word of God and with the authority of God to deal with these false teachers in the church. So so Paul was bold and Paul was confident. He wasn't bold and confident in and of himself. He was bold and confident because he knew the word of God. He knew that God spoke to him and he was proclaiming that word. And he was pointing people to Jesus. And, And so he stood upon the word of God and he was given authority by the Spirit of God to be who God called him to be. And as you know, he was a spiritual father to this church. And so that is why we see him in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, boasting in the Lord. That's what we see. He said, I boast in the Lord. He wasn't full of himself. He was full of the Spirit. And so he continues in chapter 11, he continues to challenge these false teachers uh, by dealing with them in writing before he eventually faces them. Uh, when he comes to Corinth. And so let's go ahead and pick up. And I, I split this up into two sections. Uh, so this first section, Second Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to look at the first six verses. So let's look at it together. Second Corinthians chapter 11 verses 1 through 6. So Paul says, I hope you will put up with me in a little foolishness. Yes, please put up with me. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I am afraid, just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit, from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. I do not think I am in the least inferior to those super apostles. And you'll notice those are in parentheses. He says, I may be indeed untrained as a speaker, but I do have knowledge. We have made this perfectly clear to you in every way. So let me tell you, up to this point, Paul has defended the gospel. Paul has defended the gospel. And now at this point, Paul finds himself in a very uh, awkward position. Because now what he realizes is that these false teachers are not just trying to undermine the gospel. They're trying to cut Paul's feet out from under him. They're trying to basically wipe Paul out of this church. And so Paul thought it was foolish to have to defend himself against the false teachers. That's why he says, hey, I hope you'll put up with me in a little foolishness. In other words, Paul's saying, it really bothers me that I have to stop focusing on the gospel for this brief moment and focus on who I am as a spiritual father to you. So Paul thought it was foolish to have to defend himself against the false teachers, but he felt it was necessary because he wanted to protect the church. And so that's why he called it foolishness. Uh, He wanted them to know how he felt about them and what concerned him about these false teachers in their midst. And so like I said, as a spiritual father called by God, Paul was jealous for the church. He called it a godly jealousy. He was jealous for the church. Why? Because he wanted to present them as a bride To Christ. And that's what the church is. The church is the bride of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We belong to Jesus and no one else. And Paul understood that. Paul knew that. And so, as a spiritual father, he was jealous for this church because it was his responsibility. God called him as a spiritual leader, as a spiritual father, to lead this church in righteousness, to lead this church in godliness, to lead this church in the gospel so that they could be presented to Christ as his bride. Paul called his jealousy a godly jealousy. And so that that's just like God is jealous for you and me. God didn't create you and me in somebody else's image. He created you and me in his image. It was God who breathed the breath of life into us And so God is jealous for us. He wants us, right? He wants us. I love that. When Jesus called the disciples, we talked about that this morning in Mark chapter 3. I love what it says in Mark chapter 3. It says Jesus called those He wanted, right? He wanted them to be in relationship with Him. He wanted them to be with Him. And so I believe that's the kind of jealousy that Paul is talking about here It's a godly jealousy He loved this church And he had, he had a vision for this church That God gave him That they would be a pure bride For Jesus Christ Now he talks about the false teachers And if you'll notice When he talks about the false teachers He brings up Satan The deceiver And, and this is going to be the thread Throughout this chapter But the false teachers used deception. That's what they used. They used deception to teach a different Jesus, a different spirit, and a different gospel. That's what they did. They deceived the church, the people, these new believers in Christ. They deceived them much like Satan deceived Adam and Eve in the garden. You see, these false teachers, they did not teach that Jesus Christ was the only one who could save. That his name was the name above all names. If they even mentioned Jesus, it was much like the Judaizers. If you'll remember the Judaizers, they said, oh yeah, we like this Jesus. But it's Jesus plus the law. It's Jesus plus this that makes you right with God. And Paul said, no. It's only Jesus. Jesus Christ alone. We talked about that this morning. That's what Peter said, right? Peter said it's Jesus and only Jesus, right? No other name under heaven by which man can be saved but Jesus. He didn't say Jesus plus the law or Jesus and this person or Jesus and that. Peter said Jesus and that's what Paul says. I love Theologian uh, Richard Pratt, he, he used to be a pastor and now he's a writer, but theologian Richard Pratt says this in his commentary. He says a different spirit other than the Holy Spirit cannot lead a person to confess only Jesus Christ as Lord. A different gospel would be any doctrine of salvation that was out of accord with Paul's message of justification by faith through Jesus Christ. And so Richard Pratt in his commentary says these false teachers, like the Judaizers and any of these other groups, what they wanted to do was they wanted to undermine the gospel. They wanted to undermine Jesus. They they wanted to bypass Jesus and bypass the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because they wanted power and they wanted authority. They wanted control. And so they wanted people's attention. And what did they do? They deceived people. And so Paul, he calls them by name here and he uses quotes. And that's pretty important because that's what they pretty much called themselves. Paul did not consider himself inferior to the false teachers. And these false teachers promoted themselves as super apostles. As a matter of fact, these false teachers, when you look at the book of Acts... Later on in the book of Acts, the later chapters of Acts, a lot of that has to do with this church at Corinth and other churches. Um, what you'll find out is these apostles, they promoted themselves as the elite apostles. And, and they said, Paul is not really an apostle. And these other men, they aren't really apostles, but we are and so this terminology that he used, right, he said, he said, I'm not inferior. Paul didn't consider himself inferior to these super apostles. Paul says they may have uh, information, they may have techniques, and they may have style, but they do not have the Spirit of God. That's what Paul tells them. See, Paul says, I have knowledge. And when he says, I have knowledge, he's talking about knowledge given to him by God, godly, knowledge, godly wisdom. And so he was confident, Paul was confident in the gospel of Jesus Christ that was given to him by God and he stood upon that gospel. He stood upon that word and he stood with that authority and his words and his actions. He said, hey, who I am and what I preach, he said, it is evident to the church. And what he's saying there is, if I say something, I do it. And if I do something, it's because I said it. And, and, and so Paul says, hey, if I preach Jesus, it's Jesus. Nothing else. No one else. And so, again, Paul didn't want to be in this position. Paul didn't want to have to defend himself. That's why he said, hey, church, I hope you'll put up with a little foolishness. Because in his mind, this was foolish, right? That he would have to take the time to defend himself against false teachers and not be proclaiming the gospel. And so watch what happens in this next passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 7 through 15. Because now we're going to get into the meat of, of, of the real problem. Paul says in verse 7, Was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to you free of charge? Why do you think he's bringing this up? I'll tell you why. Because the false teachers... They were getting paid by the church to teach. Paul says, was it a sin for me to lower myself? And this is where the false teachers were using, right? They were saying, you're listening to a guy you're not even paying. You're listening to to someone, you're paying us, right? To teach you and to show you the truth. You don't even pay that guy. Is he really an apostle? And so Paul's going to bring it up. Paul says, was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to you free of charge? Look at what he says in verse 8. I robbed other churches by receiving support from them so as to serve you. And when I was with you and needed something, I was not a burden to anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied what I needed. I have kept myself from being a burden to you in any way and will continue to do so. As surely as the truth of Christ is in me, nobody in the regions of Achaia will stop this boasting of mine. And what boasting is he talking about? Go back to chapter 10. Boasting in what? Boasting in the Lord, right? Boasting in the bride, the church who belongs to the Lord. He says nobody will stop this boasting of mine. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. He's being a little sarcastic here. He says, God knows I do. And verse 12, And I will keep on doing what I am doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers. Notice how he describes them, right? Right? He uses the same word, deceit, that he used earlier, right? When he talked about Satan in the garden. He says, these false apostles, they are deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then, if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness Their end will be what their actions deserve. What a a powerful passage of Scripture. See, what Paul brings up here is the fact that these false teachers had burdened the church financially. But Paul, on the other hand, was supported by the Macedonians. And Paul even references that, or Luke references that, in the book of Acts. I hope I put that on your handout. If I didn't, it's Acts chapter 18, verse 5. Okay? So, so Luke actually makes a reference to that, how the Macedonians supported Paul so that Paul could go and preach to these churches and not have to take financial uh, gain, right? Uh, to, to take anything from them. And so I love this Dr. Tony Evans, another one of my favorite preachers. Dr. Tony Evans says this, Paul describes what he has done as having robbed believers from Macedonia, meaning other Christians paid for his ministry when he could have rightly expected the Corinthians to support him themselves. And so Paul, he used this terminology robbed because that exact that is exactly what the false teachers were doing. They were taking advantage of the church at Corinth. They were taking advantage of them. They were not promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were not promoting and advancing the kingdom of God. They were only promoting themselves, and they were only promoting right a deceitful and wicked gospel. It was another gospel, a different gospel. They were promoting a different spirit. That's what Paul says in this passage. And so they were taking advantage of this church, and Paul says, I haven't taken advantage of you. Paul says, I've done nothing to be a burden to you. Now, I know most of you probably know this. Do you know what Paul did on the side when he wasn't preaching? What was Paul? Somebody tell me. He was a tent maker. And what we see in many of his letters and what we see in the book of Acts is that when Paul needed to, he made tents to take care of himself because he didn't want to be a burden to the churches. The churches from Macedonia... It was their idea. Paul didn't say, hey, I need your money. They said, hey, brother, how can we support you? We want to support you. As a matter of fact, they took up an offering and brought it to Paul so that he can advance God's kingdom, right, and not be a burden. And Paul brings that out. And so Paul, I love this, in in verses 10 and 11, Paul affirmed. He affirmed his true love for them And he continued to boast in the Lord for them. So because he did not take financial contributions from them, the false teachers were using that to try to prove Paul as being inferior. uh, As Paul being not worthy, right? He's not really an apostle because he's not paid to do it. But Paul said, no, I I continue to love you and I'm going to continue to lead you in the truth. And so what did Paul do in this this final passage? Paul challenged the false teacher's motivation. He challenged their motivation. Why are you doing what you're doing? And then he called them out. He just called them out for their masquerade. That's what it is. He called them out for their masquerade. And you know what a masquerade is, right? you've You've probably seen it before. Masquerade ball. What do people do? They wear masks. Yeah, they wear masks. And so... Paul, uh, he he just called them out, right? Just like he called out Satan earlier in verse 3 as a deceiver, he now calls these false teachers out as deceivers. They were deceiving the church. The false teachers, make no mistake about it, the false teachers were not doing anything for Jesus. And do you remember what Jesus said? He said, if you are not for me, you're what? Against me. There is no middle ground. He said, you are either for me or you're against me. There's no middle ground. You can't straddle the fence when it comes to Jesus. You're either for me or against me. And Paul makes it very clear. These false teachers, they were not for Jesus. They were against him. They were doing the work of the enemy, the deceiver, and that is Satan. And Paul, he look, Paul, he's coming, right? He says, I'm coming to Corinth, but I'm going to write you my letter so you'll know. I, I'm going to stand on the word of God and I'm going to stand with the authority of God and I'm going to face you. He, this was a warning to the false teachers. I'm coming with the word of God and I'm coming with the authority of God and I'm going to face you. But do you know what he said? He said, God will be your judge. That's what he promised right here in verse 15. Paul promised the church that God would judge the false teachers by their works. Dr. David Jeremiah, another one of my, my favorite preachers, Dr. David Jeremiah says this in his commentary. He says it takes spiritual discernment to see beneath the mask of an imposter. Christians must cultivate that discernment by abiding in what they know to be true. Now I'm going to get a little secular here. I'm going to go a little worldly on you for just a second. Um, I I got, yeah, just make it short, just make it short. I get intrigued. I love music, and I I love listening to people sing. And I got intrigued. There's this thing um, where these singers, they call it the mass singer. Have you ever seen that on on TV? The mass singer. And so these people, they get in there, and they got these extravagant costumes on, right? And what they're trying to do is they're trying to belt out these songs, and they got these judges who sit up there, and they're listening to them, and they're looking at them, and these these contestants are dropping hints and these judges are like, oh, I know, I, you're this person and you're that person and you're that that person. Well, eventually what happens is um, they get voted off by people watching. So people call in and say, well, that one's got to go. And so what they do is at the end of, when, when it's their end, they take their mask off and people see who they really are. Pa- Paul says, listen, you, what you're doing, you're masquerading right now. You got your mask on. And you're deceiving the church. But that mask is going to come off. And the church is going to see you for who you are. And God's going to judge you by your works. That's what that reminds me of. Dr. David Jeremiah says you got to have spiritual discernment. I remember the first season. I don't watch that show really much anymore. um, But I did watch kind of some of it to begin with. Because I heard a guy singing. And uh, Marty can tell you... um, the guy's name is Chris Daughtry. He, he's a bald headed guy. He got a beard. He kind of looks like me, except I'm a lot older, and he sings a whole lot better and makes money doing it. Uh, but anyway, early on in the show, he was dressed up like a like a dog, and the first song, the very first song he sang, right? The very first song he sang, I saw the shoes he was wearing, and they 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 were they were a brand that he wears at his concerts. Then he started singing, and I, I told him, didn't I tell y'all the very first show? I said, that's Chris Daughtry. No. Those judges are up there like, oh, I think it's this guy and this guy. I'm like, they're crazy. That is Chris Daughtry. No. That, that is Chris Daughtry, and guess what? It was. He got, he got runner-up that year. Um, so I had to watch all the way to the end to say, I told y'all. <laughs> but here's my point. If you want to know what is false then you have to know what is true. If you want to know what is false, then you have to know what is true. From the very first moment he stepped on that show, I looked at what he had on, I saw those shoes, and then as soon as he opened his mouth, he tried to sing in a deceptive voice, but there was power and a certain style, and I just, I knew it. I knew it. And the reason I knew it is because I knew it, right? <laughs> he, he, he couldn't masquerade enough for me to not know. There was nothing he could do, right? He dropped hints. And the people were like, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, he's talking about North Carolina. That's where he was born. That's where he grew up. See, I, I know about him, right? I know him. And so anyway, uh, if you want to know what is false, then you must know what is true. People ask me all the time, Brother Jeff, Uh, Do I really need to memorize scripture? Brother Jeff, do I really need to read the Bible? Uh, Can I just read it at Sunday school? Can I just listen to you read it on Sunday morning? Here here is my point, right? If If you want to know deception and recognize it and turn from it and not be swept away by it, you've got to know the truth. And God's word is the truth. And so the more you read it, the more you memorize it, the more you know it, right? The less likely you are to fall in deception. And so if you want to know what is false, you have to know what is true. And here's my final point. If we truly know Jesus... If we truly are in relationship with Jesus, if we know Jesus and we know the Word, the Word is in us. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Miss Wanda, my favorite verse. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Right? I love that verse. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. If we truly know Jesus and His Word, then we can stand against the deception and the lies of the enemy. And I'm telling you, you, I, you can't make this up. The enemy is having a field day right now in our nation, in our world, right? How divided are we right now? Just, just as a state, how divided are we, right? As a nation, we are, we are breaking apart in so many pieces, and it's our world too, Right? The enemy is lying and deceiving and people are getting caught up in it and they're calling truth what is false. And I'm telling you, Christ followers are getting swept up in this too. Oh, I go to church every Sunday. But are you in relationship with Jesus? Because there's a lot of people going to church that are going to die and go to hell. You, You can take that. I'm telling you the truth. A lot of people that go to church are going to die and go to hell because they never truly repented of sin and trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior. It's a works-based salvation. And I'm going to tell you, you ain't getting saved by works. You can't come to church enough to get saved. You can't tithe enough to get saved. You can't join this team. You can't go on a trip to Israel and get saved. That's not how it works. You repent of your sin. And you say yes to Jesus. True relationship with Jesus, right? And then you dig into his word and you allow his word to infiltrate your mind and your heart. You're just a sponge. You can't get enough of it. You just keep dipping yourself in the word so that when the world begins to pressure you and squeeze you, right, whatever's in you is what's coming out. And I'm telling you, there's so many people going to church today that they aren't in a relationship with Jesus, Paul, Paul writes in some other places about how so-called Christ followers can praise Jesus with their mouth on one day and then turn around and cuss out man the next. And Paul says, this should not be. That, that should not be. You can't do that. And, and, and so what, what bothers me about the world we live in is, is that people want to say things, but they don't really know they don't really know what God's word says. They 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 throw a name out there or they throw an act out there or a work out there. But listen, if, if we're not in true relationship with Jesus and if we're not in his word and his word is not in us, we are going to get caught up in the deception. We're going to get caught up in the lies and we are not going to be a part of advancing God's kingdom. I don't care how many Start Baptist Church shirts you wear. Right, <laughs> it's got to be Jesus it's got to be his word like Paul we can stand on the word of God and we can stand with the authority of God when we are filled by the spirit of God and we are proclaiming the son of God that, that's, that's all we got to do somebody said "Like, do you know everything in the bible no I don't <laughs> I don't. I'm still trying. I'm still trying to think about and memorize and be able to tell you, hey, go to this passage for that. Oh, yeah, go to that passage. I wish I could tell you I know everything about the Bible. I don't, but I'm sure trying. And I'm going to tell you, I love picking up the Bible and reading. Do you know, so on Sunday mornings, I'm I'm doing this series in the book of Acts. Do you know back in 2017, I preached the book of Acts at Star Baptist Church? Some of you probably do because you take notes. Yeah, yeah. I went back and looked at some of those notes, and God showed me some things in 2017. He's showing me different things today. His word didn't change, His word is the same. But my mind, right? He has grown me, right? So that I can see what needs to be seen, and I can say what needs to be said today. And, and so I keep reading God's word because God's word is fresh. And new to me every day. It doesn't change. God's word doesn't change. But guess what? Jeff does. Jeff does. Jeff wants to look more like Jesus every day. Jeff wants to be like Peter and John this morning in Acts chapter 4. When the religious leaders stood up against them and said, These guys, are they're, they're different. They, they stand out. They're courageous. I'd love for the enemy to say that about me. I'd love for the enemy to say... Um, that guy's unschooled and uneducated. Okay? That guy's ordinary. Okay? I'd love for the enemy to say, that guy's been with Jesus. That's the greatest compliment you'll ever be paid. If somebody looks at you and says, I can tell you've been with Jesus, I'm just going to tell you, that's the mountain. That is the mountaintop of life. And that's where I want to be. I don't know about you, but that's where I want to be. I want people around me, whether they're my enemies Are just some innocent bystanders, or my church family, I want them to say, that man's been with Jesus. That's enough. That's enough. And so Paul, the way he deals with these false teachers is is how we have to deal with them. Listen, Paul says, why are you easily putting up with them? That's kind of what he says here. You're just easily putting up with them you're listening to them talk about a spirit when God gave you his spirit. You're listening to them teach a different gospel when you have the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why are you putting up with that? And so, church, we got to be careful, right? That's why you got to hold me accountable as a pastor. I need to be preaching the word of God, nothing else and no one else. You need to hold me to that fire. But I also need to hold you to that fire. We won't put up with any false apostles and false teaching, we're not going to do it. We're going to stand up on the Word of God and we're going to stand in the authority of God and say, no, that's not what God's Word says. That's not what God's Word says. But here's the thing. How are you going to say that if you don't know it? How am I going to say that if I don't know it? i got to be in Christ. i got to be in His Word and ready, ready, right? Not necessarily to defend myself, but to promote Jesus Christ, proclaim Jesus Christ, and promote the kingdom of God, and proclaim and move forward with the kingdom of God. I don't, have, I don't want to have to put up with the foolishness like Paul had to put up with, right? I don't want to say, church, let me, uh, let me invite you to put up with some foolishness while I defend myself. I hope I don't have to get there. But if I do, it's going to be on the word of God, and it's going to be Jesus Christ.